0: So we're at the Lochlea Distillery which is really exciting to to be here in person first of all and obviously to be joined by joined, joined,
1: by, joined,
0: joined, joined John by John John by John John by John John Campbell distillery manager here at Lochlea so it's uh, it's brilliant to be here mate how are you doing? really good. Aye, good. How are you doing? Aye, we're all right mate. We're good, we're good. It was a nice wee drive over. Um actually really accessible. I was, uh, I wasn't quite sure on the map. Where locally it was, it's
2: not somewhere I was aware of before. No, me no. neither. No. <laughs> the first, uh, very first time I drove here, I stopped at the corner up at the top thinking, oh, have I gone past this place or where is it? And then you just come round that corner and then there it is and you're right. So, no. Yeah. No, but it's only like, I stay in Glasgow, it's a 35 minute drive. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, there, And I'm going against the traffic both ways, so it's, huh. it's not too bad, but yeah.
1: But it's it's a good point right because I don't think a lot of people listening may have necessarily heard of Lee because it was under the radar yeah. for for so long. So I think a good place to start is let's let's talk about the history of where we are right now. How did how did this whole distillery come around?
2: Um, so yeah, basically it was it's been a farm pretty much all its life um, even since um, back to Robert Burns farm to in the kind of late 1700s for seven years um, just before he released the Kilmarnock edition, just, so, just before he hit the kind of the mainstream kinda highlights of Edinburgh etc so mm. like um, he was heading down to Dumfries to become a customs officer when he, he broke through um, but he, since then it's been a farm and the owner um, a guy called uh, Neil Magogh and Jen Magogh um, they were cattle farmers um, basically up until in 2014, 2015, and then decided this farm in Lark wasn't for them. Um, So they, they basically started going arable and producing barley, and then kind of conversations led to conversations, and like, you well, know, why don't we maybe try making a whiskey and mm. stuff like that? And it just kind of, the ideas snowballed. And then I guess three years later, um, used Jim Swan for kind of design. Yeah. And then for size, for kind of implementation. Um, so, yeah, it's just, I think it was September, August 2018 started producing whiskey. So, yeah, and it's just, it's just, it's gone the opposite way, I guess, than kind of most other brands and the fact that it's just stayed quiet and just making whiskey. Which is unbelievable
1: in this day and age to keep that so quiet for so long.
2: Yeah, no, that was direct, kind of direct, kind of strategic thing by Neil the owner. He just thought, well, there's no point in making a noise until you've got something to make a noise about. Mm -hmm. So he kind of like we didn't have him doing the sales and marketing side until kind of basically February last year. It was just basically the production guys, three production guys, um, and that was it. Um, And Neil and just making whiskey, filling the warehouse across the road growing the barley
0: yeah do you know I love that though I love that that sort of origin story because it's so often somebody who's you know got quite a lot of money who comes in and builds a distillery do you know what I mean and actually having a farm where you're creating the barley and then thinking about it going we we can actually make whiskey with this it it feels it feels like something that could have happened 200 years ago you know rather than perhaps what's happened in, in more recent times with a lot of the newer distilleries and stuff you know yeah absolutely
2: I know it was more. It was more organic. It definitely was. <coughs> I don't think it was planned. Yeah, yeah. I, yeah, I love that. It's just that sort of going with you know, it. it was just kind of like, well, this step and then this step. So, yeah, no. It was just uh, so again. Barley's all stored on site. Everything's kind of done and so. Flown maltings isn't done on site. Yeah. Um, and the bottling isn't done on site. But everyone else is basically. Grown to kind of matured, everything's yeah. all done. All one one day, something. one day everything can be done on site, John. Is that the plan? Well, that's <laughs> one of the reasons why I'm here. Is it? yeah, it's, uh, it's, uh, I've got that experience, I guess. So yeah, I'm at an age now where, yes yeah, it's definitely experience is something I can count on, I guess. Uh, I've been doing this for thirty years, so yeah. yeah previous role at Lafroy, at floor um, Malting, so it's a kind of natural progression that we look at stuff like that here. Yeah, and then. Um, just get everything done on the one side. So yeah, that, that's kind of, there's not many or any distilleries I don't think in Scotland that do everything from growing to no. mature out on the site and maybe one day we'll bottle as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that, that would be really cool. I mean, you, you're obviously very well known for your time at, at, at Laphroaig and what about your time prior to that then, your sort of whiskey experience? How did you end up in the industry and, and doing what you're doing? Because that's something that, that's obviously got you where you are now. Is you've got all this experience to apply to Lochlea.
1: Yep.
2: Yeah. So yeah, you no, know, I was a lobster fisherman first. Is that right? Yes. <laughs> no, I'm living the high life on Isla. Yeah, yeah. Um, so basically, I wanted to get a mortgage, but the bank manager wouldn't give me a mortgage unless I had a monthly salary, so or a weekly salary or whatever it was back then. I can't remember. Um, so I basically had to leave the fishing, lobster fishing. Kind of looked around Isla, I wanted to stay in Isla, so I thought, right, I'll go to Laphroaig and start working at Laphroaig because Laphroaig is was and probably is the most secure distillery on the island. It's never been below five day production, even during the bad times in the kind of eighties, etc. Mm-hmm. So it's it's always done a lot. It was it was a recognisable brand. So I thought, oh, well, that's that's the place you want <coughs> to go. Mm-hmm. Not realising that jobs. Don't grow in trees in the, in the whisky industry, and it usually, and back then, it was basically somebody had to retire yeah. or leave yeah. basically to get a job. So, it took me about a year to get a job at Lafroy, but it kept knocking and probably been a pain in the ass. <laughs> uh, <laughs> you so ground them down, uh, uh, <laughs> they uh, felt sorry uh, for yeah. you <laughs>
1: eventually caved in, right? If, uh, you, if
2: you ask most people, that's me in a nutshell. I'm joking, but um, uh, yeah, no, just, like, I just wanted to get in there, so got in there, um, basically getting half the money I was getting fishing, so I was like, Jesus, like, mm. what is this all about? Thinking that, like, first year I thought I'd made the biggest mistake of my life. Really? Yeah, but I was like, I had a, a girlfriend at this point, and it was like, no, just keep going, keep going, and like some of the operator says to me, like, he just keep going it'll be okay it'll get better uh, you don't need like because i was like nah. i was like no nah, this is just a disaster like <coughs> absolute disaster and it was just completely different pace than being a fisherman as well so like it was just a lot slower and you were getting just told stuff like Slow down, you're making us look bad, and mm. stuff like that. it's just like I'm used to being in an environment where it's kind of like there's always something to do, just yeah. get on with it. If you don't see something to do, you're you won't be in a job, basically. Yep. So, completely different pace. Um, and then we had we were, the warehouse team was quite big at this point as well. So, I started off in the warehouse squad, I was doing the numbers in the barrels, crying. Um, <laughs> And then basically we got we were doing our bag as well, so that was a wee bit different. We were doing all the warehouse and bag distillery because it was part of the same company at this point. Yeah, and then quickly moved into the floor maltings, and that was brilliant. That was absolutely brilliant. I absolutely loved my time in the floor maltings at Lefroy because it was different. Right. You had a different challenge every day. You didn't know the answers. You kind of you you basically needed experience because all you were doing was reacting to what's happening outside the window every day. Yeah. So like then, all oh right, so like this is what the weather's given me and this is how I have to react. And so it took a long time to get the experience and the knowledge in malting. There's a feel in floor malting, isn't there? That I think people
0: maybe misunderstand a little bit. They think oh, it's the same every day. It's really not. If it's warm outside, you need to lay the floor thin, you know, you need to spread it out, get that temperature totally. nice and low. And it's like, it's a... It's an eye thing, and I remember I was just up at Highland Park and watching a couple of the guys that were running the floor maltings, just just reacting to those little things. The the windows would open slightly, you know. They are the different ways of controlling temperature and things. Brilliant. Yeah, no, you're no. just
2: controlling the growth of these corns, and it's up to you. Almost the thing I learned in the floor maltings is probably the most: is if you the worst thing to do is not make a decision. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of not. It's, that's almost just like, ah, if you leave things, that's just a bad, bad idea because it'll either get too hot or it'll get too cold. Yeah. You need to be kind of, kind of nourishing these grains through this. So that that was really, really good. Kind of pushed into the mashing and stilling, which again, didn't really enjoy that because it's so repetitive. It's just the same thing over and over. The is the at little are ingrained for 200 years. Mm. So Again, the thing is just like, do your job, do your job, just do your job. So I like... It would go by fast. That was the only good thing because there were seven stills at Laphroaig, so yeah. if you're in the stillhouse, a shift would just be go by in a blank because there was just so many things to do. So um, that would be good. And then basically in January nineteen like ninety nine became the kind of assistant to uh, Michael Heads, who's the assistant distiller at that point. And then he got the manager's job at Jura, so yeah. pretty quickly in August ninety nine I was the assistant distiller at Lefroix So. Yeah, that was cool. Um and again just a different level of responsibility because basically you're the guy that runs a distillery. Mm-hmm. If you're an assistant distiller, uh, the manager is more kinda dealing with all the kind of people stuff, the strategy stuff. So it's a different kind of job, completely people like external visitors, kind of oh. press, all this sort of stuff. So it's a different job. Assistant distiller basically runs a distillery. So like I really enjoyed that. Um and then became the manager. Um, kind of five, six years later again, and then stayed for I know, fifteen, just about sixteen years. Yeah, manager, so the end, A guy, guys like Mickey,
0: he's now retired, right? I mean, he's yeah. he's just finished up not that long yeah. ago, and and guys like him working under people like him that's always going to stand you in good stead down the line, isn't it? In terms of your experience, how you even just look after people, how you look after your equipment and things like that.
2: Yeah, no, you, you, like, I definitely want to learn off other people. I think that's one of my better qualities. Uh, Just like, I want to know, I'm curious. I like it. And so, like, uh, I think that's the other side of people. People like to teach and like to show. So, Mickey had all this experience. Ian Henderson was a manager as well, who Mm. was another kind of legend within the whiskey industry. like, if you asked people would ask you like jim McEwen, anybody would mm. tell you. They would, they, people are ha- happy to help i think yeah. that's probably one of the best things about the, the whiskey industry there's no there's not much ego in the whiskey industry um, and everyone's happy to help and to kind of support everyone so that's definitely something i've kind of like i've learned a lot from multiple different types of people. Uh, and kind
0: of have you had any of the old heads come down just to make sure you're doing things properly? Um, <laughs> I think
2: I've got that trust now. Is I'm, probably, I'm probably an old head now. <laughs> <so>. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. But <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah, I can see what you're thinking. Aye. So, but, uh, yeah, no, so, as, uh, I think they would like, aye, I think you're just a combination. It's the same in life. You're just a combination of all your experiences. So mm. um, it's just one of those things. I've, I've been lucky enough to have lots of like really interesting and, and kind of good people around me from a whiskey point of view. Um, so ah, you can't help but learn off people like that and they can't help but influence you and kind of the things, I guess, you become and to understand, I guess, what's important to you.
1: And then let's talk about right now then, so talking about learning and moving on. Yep. You know, you moving to, to Lock Lee was something that kind of, I remember the whole whisky world was like, what, "What? what's happening? After 30 years, almost 30 years at LaFroy, you're yeah. moving down to this small distillery in South Ayrshire. Well, talk us through how that whole process came around. Um,
2: I guess it's, there's a multiple factors in this as well. Um, lockdown definitely made me reflect and made me think. Um, I guess... Halfway, I I think I was halfway through my working life when kind of lockdown came. So I was just like, What are you going to do for the other half of your working life? Mm. And what do you want it to be? So that was definitely something. So I I guess that, amongst other things, kind of were all reflected on in lockdown. Can I imagine Um,
1: that was quite good though? Lockdown and Isla with. Endless amounts of LaFroig. That, that sounds all right, right? It does sound all right. <laughs> no wonder you'd reflect it, it, it definitely wasn't the worst. Yeah, uh, yeah. No,
2: so it was, no, I know, like the, you had a, probably a freedom in Isla that you wouldn't have had it out in uh, the mainland with basically you wouldn't see empty if you went for a walk anyway. So mm. you could go out walking and you'd have that freedom. You weren't all locked in your house like everyone else. Was. Yeah. So that, that was definitely a bonus to be in Isla during the lockdown. Um, the other side of that was all the kind of, I guess, pretty sure, like, most people I talked to kind of did reflect on kind of where they were, what they were doing, kind of what's making them happy, what's not making them happy, stuff like that. And I wouldn't say I was unhappy at flow I'd definitely never say that, but it was just, I knew everything inside out. I just knew the answer to everything. And I felt that wasn't good. Because I alluded to it earlier, I'm curious, I like to know and I like to not know the answer to things, so that was kind of something I thought, you need to stretch yourself again. Jordan. Yeah, it was almost like putting yourself out of your comfort zone again, right? Yeah, totally, yeah. totally, I needed to feel that again. it um, would have been absolutely nothing wrong to have stayed at LaFroy and seen it I guess the last kind of 20 years and I would have had a very nice and comfortable life and Lafroigue is amazing but it was kind of I guess a you better of kinda of just me. Mm. Um all my kids are out here now too, so like why am I an Isla? Um my partner is based out here, so we had a flat in Glasgow together, so I was travelling out every weekend and it was just like this just doesn't make sense, John. Yeah. Nothing. there's the only mm. thing that's an Isla is LaFroy. And as amazing as LaFroy is, like as do you want to keep doing this? For the, do you want to keep traveling every weekend to Glasgow mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. whatever? So like all of these factors kind of played into it. And then just got a, a call from North Lee and it just, I don't know, it's Just I feel it just happened at the right time. And kind of the more kind of talks, discussions happened, it was just like, this is a fit. This is an absolute fit for me. And, from a values perspective, from a kind of opportunity perspective, nobody knew about it um, as well. Just as we're saying, so it's just like, okay, this is this is this is a good opportunity. It meant I didn't I had a flat in Glasgow, so I could base myself there. It's a thirty-five minute mm. drive. Never had a commute before in my life, so yeah, that, was yeah, something that must new. be different. <laughs> Do you like it? I ah, you know it is, it's good because it allows you time to kind of put all the files back in the box before you get home at night. Yeah. So, yeah. And to think about what's ahead as you're driving down the road and kind of just, like, get... It's good preparation time, I guess, yeah. is how I would describe it. Because so, 35 minutes is, I don't know, It's, it's not. A, it doesn't feel a lot. No. It doesn't feel a lot. And I'm probably sure there's maybe folks listening that are thinking, that's nothing, John. Like, oh, but I'm, I'm used to a 100-yard walk to work. Ah, uh, well, you're used moment. to a 100-yard walk, but <laughs> Mitch used to live in the States... And I'm
0: sure he worked with some of his colleagues who were probably travelling three hours yeah. to work, and uh, three yeah, hours exactly. back, you know, where they're yeah. used to commuting. Just They live in their vehicles, right? We, we, yeah. We're quite not there yet. Do you know what I mean, we like yeah, a definitely. little
1: 45 minutes here is a long commute. Do you know what I mean? I looked at it today, coming from, coming from the east, and it was like an hour and a half to get here. Did it take you a full hour and a half? No, yeah. did it? Yeah. Um, Daz and I were chatting. I think it was quite interesting, John, because you've gone from a slow pace of life in Isla with a fast pace at the distillery
2: yeah. to
1: now a fast pace of life
2: and a slow pace at the distillery. Yeah, no, it's, it's completely... It's, it is. It's the polar opposites in both ways. Yep, yeah. Especially staying in the West End, so it's like we're right in the thick of things. Uh, it suits me, I think. So far, I'm enjoying it. I definitely enjoy that too. Um Getting integrated more and more, which that's, that's really important to get. You can't just be somewhere to not integrate so that I'm getting more and more integrated into the community as well so that's good and yeah from a work perspective yeah production's slow but like it's it's hard to explain this decision making is so fast compared to so like mentally it's a different ball game completely Mm -hmm. because like again it's almost like we need decisions we need to move things forward fast whereas when you work for a Bigger like company it's almost like oh you have to go through the kind of the hoops and runs, and sometimes it's just like it, we haven't even had a decision about that like so like it can decision making can be very slow in a big company whereas it's up to me yeah, yeah. it must be quite great. liberated that right i think so yep i think i feel i want that responsibility That's yeah. again one of the reasons why i'm here so I, I don't mind responsibility i don't mind sticking my neck out um I, I I'm I'm quite comfy with that responsibility. Mm. I guess it's getting more involved in the kind of blending side as well. So like I, I was generally always production production production, but now I'm basically I'm I'm kind of overseeing the production, but like not really involved day to day in production at all. But like blending and kind of company strategies stuff like that, I'm much much more involved in stuff like that. Yeah. So which is kind of where I wanted to go as well.
0: I think I think a lot of people looking at what a distillery manager does w- would think it would involve whisky making, you know, and they would see it. But it's almost like you're playing totally different positions. You know, your your whisky maker's role is very different to a, a distiller's role, right? Um, yeah, no, day to day. I mean, they're I opposite. Know, totally. I, like
2: I would make whiskies at Lafroigue as well. Yeah, my cartridge. I was in charge of that, and like so, like all of these kind of smaller bottlings, but like. For 10-year-old for all of these things, now, there, there was a blending lab. Because the recipe's set. Yeah, yeah. The recipe's set. You have to, like, I'm not dismissing what a blender does in yeah. any shape or form, but, like, you're, you're tweaking, and you're just, kind of, just nuances on the, kind of, the, the recipe, I guess, to, and matching the stock against that. Um, whereas here, it's just, like, we don't even know what we are yet. Yeah. We're, we're, we're going through that process. You're going to create that, yeah, along with long people's support. Um, so, like, the team here, like, consumers will shape Lochley. We're trying to put out different things this year um, through the seasons to show four different angles of what Lochley can be. Um, we're going to produce a kind of regular bottling from July onwards, which will be a kind of, like, a core uh, recipe. So, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's kind of more exciting that way. But ultimately, consumers will shape. Lockley, the same as it shapes kind of most other yeah. brands as well but i think the found- like when people get to taste locally they'll see the foundations are really really good um and they can also see it develop as well yeah and what about the
0: the feedback then so far i mean i've I've spoken to quite a few people about it i've tried uh, a couple of the the, well, the two products that you've released so far um you're now a big part of that especially moving forward are you you're nervous are you excited are You you're kind of a bit of everything <laughs> because it, it, it's now a, a massive reflection on you you know with everything yeah. that you've done in the past is no, now kind true. of in this moment right yeah. and no, it's... it's
2: true yeah. yep no what happens yesterday doesn't matter it's what no. happens to me i know totally get that no and i'm i'm comfortable with that um i'm a nervous um a, a, a small amount I'm definitely confident as well, though, yeah. otherwise I wouldn't be here. Um, I think I can, I'm going to show what I can do, I guess, ultimately, and, yeah. like, what the brand can be. But I, no, I, I, I haven't even, like, I wouldn't say I've given, like, my kind of ego better, that's this much thought. I'm just trying to do, like, the best I can using all that experience I've got. Yeah. So it's like, you don't, like... Yeah, you're nervous when things go out, and you. But you understand where you are, and like, when like so. From the sewing, this kind of spring edition has gone out. You're ready on to the next one. Yeah, so like, yeah. It's, it's, it's something we've got to watch, and something we did say to the team last month. Like, we need to celebrate the moments too, because like, definitely, there's, there's not going to be times like this very often. where... Like, everyone we've got is just selling out. You're really lucky to get a taste of Lockley, to get a bottle of Lockley. It's 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 not going to be like this forever. Um, and the, the interest is amazing. The feedback's been amazing mm-hmm. so far. So, yeah, no, you, but it's only, like, you're only as good as your next bottling. Yeah. And to, but you do need to
0: stop. You're right. I think you do need to stop and celebrate those moments and mm-hmm. recognise the amount of work and effort that's gone into creating those things. Because if you don't, you skim over them, they become they become less important, don't they? And they, they, they kind of become just another thing that you do. And hopefully the culture that you guys create here, small team. Yeah. You all know the owners, you all work together really closely. Everyone's deciding on the bottlings and what you're releasing and things like that, which is really brilliant. Um, you know, you, you want everyone to feel like you know they're co- they contributing to something that's really totally, special, yeah, which is everyone's, what they do. Everyone's part yeah. of this.
2: Yep, and as uh, you say, as a small team, we want to keep that feeling going. Absolutely, but aye, it, it's definitely something we did say to ourselves: like we need we need to enjoy this as yeah. well. So like, this is fun. Oh, definitely. Yes. Like, yes. You can you can worry and you can be nervous, but like th- this is fun. This is absolute mm. fun, and like we all love whiskey, so like we're all completely have different skills as well we all bring different things to the table different kind of sensitivities to flavors etc so like that's that's pretty cool to be able to kind of see that coming through in the team as well so uh, nah every one of the team is a complete whiskey maniac as well yeah you yeah, exactly yeah. <laughs> know uh, yeah. yeah. you can't underestimate the value of that yeah and yeah. The, uh, like if we need, we need people to care so we need people involved and yeah. we need people to see that they're making a difference like it's definitely one of the things I've learned about myself and definitely other people people need to feel they're making a difference otherwise yeah. what's the point?
1: So John as we're sitting here in this beautiful room which I'm assuming is part of your your lab when you're down there here as well because I can see the room, wee, yeah. uh, little sample bottles behind um I know you guys are now as we record this you're two releases in yes. yep. um, so can you talk a little bit about those releases and anything that you guys have well as much as you can talk about future plans for Yeah, the no, I can
2: tell I like guess it's, it's one thing that's definitely very open about kind of what we're doing here and what's coming. Um so yeah, we've done the, the inaugural release and it was uh, PX casks mixed with kind of, first of all, bourbons. Um there's just over seven thousand bottles of that um, released, um, probably half in the UK as well. So yes. um, there's small amounts going, looking all around the world as well. Kind of, there's kind of historical, kind of main markets right now. Um, but we are looking to kind of expand our footprint uh, going forward. Um, second release is kind of like we're doing seasonal releases and linking them to the farm, so we'll have a... Sp- spring summer autumn winter release but it'll be sowing harvest fallow and ploughing Mm -hmm. will be the names on them just linking it back to the farm um because again we're a farm distillery so the sowing was a first fill bourbon um it's just i think it's just good to get that out there the kind of the summer or harvest will be another mixture between kind of toasted european oak and double matured kind of pork casks as well so like again bringing a nice kind of pinky haze to summit. um just again just different flavors um the the kind of the autumn or fallow will be a first flower also mm. and then the kind of winter or plowing addition will be and this is just a, a complete coincidence it'll be locally matured in exalfroid casks so. ah. Yeah, they've, they've filled them for three years. So. so they were here before you. Yes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's almost like it was meant to be. I know. Right? That's freaky. Well, it's, just that, a, yeah? it's just a. It like, is just a coincidence. like I can it. see that, and it's, it's coming along well. So I, like this spirit, will be, it'll be, unpeated spirit in a peated cask. Yeah. Mm. So yeah, looking forward to that. So that'll show different sides of locally. Mm. We are also going to release, a, like a kind of. These will be limited volumes as well. Kind of seven to nine thousand bottles, so it's small volumes. Um, we will release a kind of regular bottling as well. It'll be called our barley after the, the fact that we just grow all our barley on the farm. And it'll be a combination of different styles of cask. We will have toasted European in there. We'll have all our roast of sherry um, and two kind of types. The kind of first fill bourbon going kind of in there. So kind of. Different styles of whiskey produced, so but that'll be a kind of ongoing release. So people should see our barley from kind of July, August this year onwards, and it should be regularly available. Whereas the seasons will probably sell out, yeah. Yeah, um, we'll, we'll put a different slant in the seasons every year as well going forward until we get to basically an age statement coming out probably 2026 20, to 2030, yeah. I heard little whispers of uh, potentially a floor maltings going in here. Yeah, no, looking at that, that's yeah. definitely the experience I've got as well.
1: Uh yeah, right now, so you're completely unpeated? Any No, no plans to no? no not yet. No and and like
2: one of the yeah. things I did when I came here was I had sit down meetings with all the stakeholders of the business. Nobody said luckily would be peated, so yeah. how do I got to be peated? And I guess that's my job is to understand, kinda doesn't mean we won't experiment in the future but like what we're looking to do right now is just get honed in on what locally means to the the, I guess the owners the workers like mm. the people what do they think it is how's it going to be so we're building a wee bit of depth the flavor into the new spirit and then there's just a few technical things being cleared up um that we're kind of working on um and then, basically, after that, once we've got these things set, then we we'll we might do some kind of peated malt in the future. It's just a bit of a pain using peated malt when you're playing because you have to clean everything to bits. Ah, right, used yeah, it. yeah, so, yeah. Never say never, because that's the thing. Once we've got our foundation set, once we kind of know who we are, we're happy with who we are, mm-hmm. then that's fine. We build off that, and we might do peated malt. We might do all sorts of crazy things after that. And I guess... That's the opportunity we've got here as well.
0: Yeah, we're in the sample room. I mean, behind you, there's a a whole array of, of different colours in your sample bottles, in between the glasses and things like that. It yep. looks like there's some really interesting colours coming through from some of the casks, even at this age. Yeah, no, because
2: um, it it's still young. It's still yeah. only three and a half. So um, it's, it's no, that's that's the thing. That's the thing that's been like a big thing. I've really tried to. It's, it's kind of what people think distillery managers do all the time yeah it's yeah, just, <laughs> yeah. Just, just sitting in those in the house. lovely aged right. spirits yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. no which couldn't be furthered from the truth as you said but like it's just like I've really tried to understand what the spirit is and try and get all these different flavours what it can be mm. kind of what, what, how it takes influence all of these things so we're, we're trying to understand it. like I'm trying to fast forward that process as much as possible and really understand the spirit and connect kind of what makes Lockley Lockley. Obviously. Yeah.
1: Hi, John. Well, thank you so much for having us down here, firstly. Amazing to see the mm, distillery time, and uh, great to have you on the show. Th- I know you're a busy man, so thank you so much for your time and uh, taking the time to chat with us today.
2: No, you're very welcome, and you'll be welcome back anytime. Thanks, you guys, too. So Aye. nice to see you again. Nah, I do. Too. Yeah, no,
0: thank you so much, mate. And um, all the best, and we we'll look forward to seeing the. Well, certainly the seasonal releases that are going to be coming out, but that core release that's coming out June, July. Yeah, uh, really excited to see that, man.
2: Yeah, no, that's that's the one. Yeah, that's the one for us this year. Yeah. So like, yep, I hope everyone gets a wee chance to taste it and likes what we're doing. Guys, keep in touch
0: uh, with all the releases and all the news from Lockley. Uh Their Instagram handle is at Whiskey and, and that's where you'll find what's going on production-wise, uh, what John's up to with all the experiments and things, and, and like we say, with the, the bottlings and things like that are announced on there as well. So make sure you follow it. Uh, we will catch you
1: very soon for another episode of Not Another Whiskey Podcast. Indeed. Thanks for listening, guys. Cheers.